you are building, building a data business powered by AI. Okay. And the reason why? Cover. Why? Say something. Yeah. Why? Why? Why are we building a data business powered by AI? Is this the, your future pacing here? So they're not even future pacing. This every business. So you're, you're, the cliche is you're building a technology business. Mm. No, you're not. You should have been building a technology business five years ago. Mm. Now what you're building is you're building a data. But no matter what game you're in, there's going to be an element of data that's going to either help increase efficiencies, or you can make money directly off that data set, or um, what else? You can acquire new revenue streams from it. Data is going to be the crux of it. This edition of the Matt Brown Show is proudly brought to you by the Unique Speaker Bureau. The Unique Speaker Bureau is recognized as the best management agency for the Premier League of professional speakers, both here in South Africa and around the world. They strive to build better conferences and match the perfect speaker to your next conference or event. The USB promises you an experience more than just a speaker. The Cloud. When it comes to the cloud, there is no actual computer in the sky. The cloud is just a computer somewhere else. In this episode, I chat to Brett Sinclair, ex-Googler turned digital banker and a leading mind on digital transformation and distributed trust, and now the CEO of Sciatic. With a curriculum canon that spans two decades of leading Google Mobile, YouTube, Google Display, and Google's cloud computing across Africa, and rebuilding Barclays Africa digital business. Brett shares his insights into the world of IT services and the opportunities for entrepreneurs and business owners in cloud adoption and the potential of cloud computing. If you want to learn about how to build a business to scale using scalable platforms like the cloud, then this episode is going to float your boat and your business. So without further ado, enter Brett Sinclair. How's it, guys? Welcome back to the Map Run Show. Thanks for joining us uh, live on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, with me today is a man who's a mover and a shaker, especially in the world of tech and the world of cloud and all that kind of cool stuff. I used to run YouTube South Africa. Did you know that? And you used to run Google South Africa, didn't you? Uh, Google Cloud. Google Cloud. See, yeah. close enough. See, I know, I know yeah, my guests. I'm quite impressed, eh? I know. Jeez, <laughs> maybe it's the shirt that gave it maybe away. It's my, you know, I'm a Google Cloud nerd. <laughs> So, um, so, dude, it's uh, Brett Sinclair, for those of you who don't know. Um, but, uh, but Brett, um, you've got some amazing news to share. <laughs> such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'd do it, dude. Oh, no, you can do it. Okay. Do what? what? But it's fine. Yes, so yes, it's fine. Yes, my, my daughter's expecting. She is expecting, yeah? Wow. Yeah, she's okay. 13, but don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> He's joking. I am joking. He's joking. <laughs> okay. You'd be a bad dad. Jeez. Jeez. Are you, if, how, how, if she was, there would be problems. Really? <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Well, what's uh, I mean, mm. obviously, we've landed some kind of key stuff here, but mm. uh, but what is your version of yourself now? I mean, you've, you were at Google. You were, mm. You've been startup. You've done big corporate stuff, obviously, all in tech. Now you're the CEO of um, Sciatic. Yeah. You're the uh, first person who's got it right on first call, Sciatic. Really? I'm impressed. Everyone goes, I was calling it Sciatica. I was calling it Sciatica. Sciatica. Like that's a hip thing. It's not a tech business. And the problem with the sciatic nerve, and the reason why we chose sciatic is that it's the biggest nerve in the body. Mm. And essentially, we're a data, machine learning, AI, cloud business. Mm. And it's about information. And so we were, that makes sense. Yeah. And we went with a K instead of how you should spell it to get the .com. 
But when you search for it, you get a bunch of old ladies with sciatic nerve problems <laughs> and photos of their buds and all that. Kind of, it's really terrible. So we've got to work on that. Let's, brand. Go- <laughs> let's Google image that. <laughs> let's get it up. Okay, cool. So, um, so what is sciatic in the business of now? Mm, so what are we? Uh, so yeah, I've done a lot of startups in my past, semi successful, went into big corporates, had a jaw. And uh, now I'm back in the game and uh, we are essentially a Google premier partner, cloud partner. We're top 100 in the world. Um, we help businesses get onto Google's cloud. And that's the one part. Although I always say the old oaks with gray hair like me, we're the guys who will get you onto the cloud and run infrastructure, compute and storage. And now I've got a bunch of young oaks who are, are 24 to 28 uh, I see Oaks ladies as well, uh, who are data scientists, data engineers, and they take your data and they ready your business for artificial intelligence. So we're not talking SMEs here. We're talking quite big, big companies. Boys, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. like our favorite customers are generally guys like Smolin, uh, PPS. It's not the big, big guys because I don't have time to waste on sales cycles, banks and telcos and big Oaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that never gets you know, rung with you, Oaks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was saying this. I was having that same bitching mm. session with Nadine Todd the other day. You know, Nadine. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't actually. You don't know. Yeah, Entrepreneur Mag editor, dude. Oh, okay. Have you not been? That's in why there I'm yet? never on Entrepreneur Mag. <laughs> well, you will be now. You will be now. I'll intro you. I think your story is cool. She'll be interested. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I it get is. The sales guys calling the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that what's happening? Yeah. Stop that. <laughs> You're irritating Brett. Um, but yeah, so it's um, but uh, but that whole sales cycle is an interesting one, right? It's mm-hmm. like you get the banks, etc., and stuff. And then you get your mid-cap companies. I mean, I mean we're talking mid-cap, you know, hundreds of millions mid-cap, mm. and then your smaller businesses. But, but it's interesting. It's it's very important to choose right. Yes, and I think it it, it takes time to figure it out. Mm. Uh, when uh, I've always had a small interest in siding, and when I stepped in full time and uh, put a bit of uh, money behind it, uh, we were playing around trying to figure out who is our customer. And I think that it, it's easy to say who is your customer because this is the product that I have and uh, you surely that person must want it. But actually the who is, well, how long does it take that person to buy? Who is, what authority do they have on what kind of spend? And note I'm picking the individual and not the, cust- the, the, the customer because yeah. your customer is a person. So it took us a while to figure out, actually, it's someone who has control over 25 million rand budget. It's someone who's a very fresh thinker, someone who's open to try new things. It's, And they tend to fall in the customer budget range of and in the vertical of. And once we had figured that out and we had tested it and we had actually proven that we could offer a serious amount of value in that space, then we went for it. But in the beginning, we used to service – we still got lots of small customers. And they're lovely. I love you guys. But – we don't make any money from you guys, so enjoy it. Um, and uh, and the, the big guys are even worse. As much as I come from a big corporate, and I know all the big guys. They're amazing oaks, but 18-month uh, sales cycle, I don't think anyone has the cost of sale on that. No. It's, um, Ask not EOH. S- Sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but it's important that right because you got to get cash in right so that's why i say it. it's almost like you know it's it is about knowing your customer he knows his customer best wins i mean we've just gone through the same thing also where we were doing storytelling production and content for legion for for anyone and then it was like well actually that's not right you know and so we on monday literally this week anyone often goes that's really awesome yeah. love it that's really awesome they drag you on they drag you on that's really awesome can you do it for free move and like i'll do it once let me try it and you never see anything else from it right yeah, yeah. but uh, we've just chosen our markets and it's working you know we Who still it? get it's uh, technology businesses so okay. distributors of software vendors partners resellers Okay, cool. Software. Nice. Well, then SAS we have to chat, right? We are. We must. We must. Cloud, essentially. Yeah. Amazon Web Services, Kaspersky, all those mm. sorts of products. Software products, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had a call yesterday from um, a guy down in Cape Town, automated publishing for Adobe. You know, okay. writes call yeah. scripts and stuff, or scripts, essentially, that create dashboards around asset management internally in the business. Cool. Never heard of him. But cool. it's interesting that because… You know, he said to me, I, was, I found your uh, article on Biz Community, and he's like, I can't believe I found you. Because he was like, basically, he's looking for us as a business in terms of our specific service offering yeah. because he can't deal with agencies. They don't understand technology. They're too slow to execute, et cetera. So, too expensive often. And too expensive as well. You know, so to have that kind of customer, potential customer, say that, yes, you're that solution for his pain because they're building themselves for the top 500 jc listed businesses that's where they're all gone for it. and it's actually there's a huge market guys i mean we operating if i look at i always talk about our market as being tier two tier two in finance retail media um we have one or two big customers but it's a small department um, and, and, and there's flexibility and you can move quickly. That, that's what you want. You need to be able to work in that kind of environment. How are you finding, you know, your tier twos, et cetera, mm. in terms of their attitude towards cloud? Mm. Um, so last year was the year of I'm putting my toe in the water. Um, we've started seeing our favorite customers, a customer called PPS. It's 80 years, uh, 87 years old. They're a membership-based insurance company. You have to be a professional services, uh, like uh, someone with a degree. I don't know. I, I personally don't have one of those. Um, but if you – and I'd love to have one because if you were with PPS 20, 30 years ago, you're pulling in sometimes close on six, 700,000 Rand returns a year on their policies. So it's an amazing business. Um, but they're very old. And here this entire business has moved everything into the cloud. They are literally Google's biggest consumer of all of Google services, an 80-year-old business. So it, it, you find your customers in the weirdest of spaces. So last year, about trying, you had a couple of these really interesting big business or medium uh, tier two businesses like a PPS getting on board. And I really see this year is going to be the year about readying your business for AI. Because everyone wants to do AI. Everyone wants to do machine learning. And those are broad, broad. It's like saying, I want to play sport. That's how broad the term is. Not, not rugby or a position in rugby or a level in rugby. They're all going, I want to do AI. Yeah, so you want to do sport. Great. Um, but to get there, that journey, it, it requires a complete re-architecture of everything. Um, and that, and applies, that's what we're that applies to cloud too, right? You have to be in cloud to do it properly. You, you really can't. You can't have anything locally. So you're aware of these Microsoft data centers that are being released here, right? Microsoft, Amazon, and I can't say anything about the other one yet. 
<laughs> but um, but but that's interesting for me, right? Because it's like the, one of the big inhibitors of adopting cloud was the fact that businesses didn't want their business and customer data sitting on a data center in Ireland or distributed in many data centers all around data the world. Yeah. Which has been misunderstood due to a bunch of really well orchestrated marketing campaigns from local providers mm. to protect their turf. Well, Fricky can really manage it much better with a bunch of tin locally, right? And it's pretty scary because we have so much power shortages and cutouts. Um, it hasn't affected PPS's business. Mm-mm. Well, dude, I mean, yesterday we had power outages here. I mean, yeah. you would have known that. Sitting in the dark at 8 o'clock and I was like – in fact, I was at a local business and I walked in there and he said to me, this is, this is killing my business. So imagine all that on-premise stuff, which is literally, I mean, we, we had power go off here at four o'clock when it was like two days ago and like all the machines turn off and we lose work and we, and we're not productive for at least two minutes until the generator kicks in. Do you know what I'm saying? But that it, on and off yeah. on massive data centers, it's killer. It's choosing to your bottom line as a data center. Mm-hmm. Revenue loss, yeah, efficiency, difficult. productivity. There's a big case to be made. But I mean, you know, you're looking, you, you say AI, you're talking cloud, you've got all these really incredible, you know, exponential technologies, quantum computing we can dive into in mm, a second. And yeah. you look at all these things and you're saying, and you're saying, well, you know, last year that was about dipping the toe into cloud, right? Mm-hmm. Then this year it's about, you know, getting the business ready, understanding how the architecture will be designed to enable cloud and, yeah. you know, all that kind of cool stuff. And with the DCs coming, hey. Well, you know, in, in all honesty, the only thing that DCs are going to do um, is going to create a bunch of comfort with the larger players who are restricted by regulation that is not correctly defined yet. And it's a bunch of CIOs who have gone, you know, it's really difficult to maintain existing computer systems. So any reason I can have to not move saves them. I get it. But now the data center is going to be locally. That last hurdle has been removed. It still doesn't mean you can really take advantage of AI. Because all you're doing is you're moving your your equipment and your information and your and your applications to someone else's space. Mm. Yeah, these new data centers are not going to be able to support the amount of power you need to do a say a neural science uh, algorithm, a uh, neural science neural network algorithm. Yeah, a machine learning type thing. Mm. Yeah. So where does the buck stop now? Because it's kind of like there was that old quote about data or big data like everyone's talking it's like teenage sex everyone's talking about it but no one's doing it right um you know where does the buck stop now i mean you, with your cloud hat on and obviously you guys have grown exponentially um it never stops does it never stop it never stops but then what what's the ambivalence towards moving into the modern enterprise architecture mm. security scalable infrastructure yeah. you know as a service space what's you know because because it never ever ever stops um You've got to have the flexibility to keep on changing. So by going into that space, so if you say you want a, a 16 core machine, 256 gigs of RAM, oh, awesome. And you put everything on that. And then the next week you realize you need to separate out your architecture, run a, 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 a DNS and an application layer and a, and a, a database layer. You can do that instantly. At the moment, the buck is stopping and it stops for five years when you invest in, in kit. So now by doing that, you can keep changing. And then you say, well, actually, I want to move into a world of containerization. You know, so containerization are little packets of compute that you just fire up and you don't even fire it up. Uh, Kubernetes fires it up and it gets you to manage your infrastructure as you scale up and down. 
super cheap, super fast. In fact, the whole of Google has been running on that for 13 years. The rest of the world's just finally going, ah, oh yeah, that, that, that looks cool. But you have to know that the buck never stops. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you almost need to be continuously making yourself relevant, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, where do we want to go from here? So let's talk about adaptability because yeah, I, I mean, that's where we said yeah, we'd be heading down. Yeah. Right? Okay, cool. I mean, just on another inhibitor, if you mm. think about the partner reseller network mm. for Amazon web mm. services, um, you know, Azure, et cetera. Mm. Um, I was chatting to a reseller the other day and um, I said, why don't you like aggressively, you know, market something like cloud instead of tin. And he said, well, because it fucks up my cash flow." Because when you're selling a server for, let's argue for sake, a hundred grand, it's like, there's your hundred grand, now you get your tin and that's that. With SaaS or anything like that's basically, you know, paid on consumption or per use or pay as you go or whatever, it's like, now you're getting that hundred thousand rand paid and over. Income. Yeah, it's. Oh, he's moaning about the cash flow from that upfront. Oh, you see, that's because he's built his business in a very old fashioned way. I'm shame. That's really hardcore. I get his problem. Um, so we like cloud as a reseller of cloud because you're plugging into a world of annuity income. Mm. But annuity income to start reaping the results of that takes five years. It's like compounded interest. You, it's a patient game. Your margins are small, so it can range between five and 10% depending on how big you are in the game. Um, the customer doesn't see it. The, re- the, the cloud providers give you the kickback in the margin. But again, that's small to run a business on 10% margin. Mm. It's hard, yeah? It's hard. So you've got to get that annuity income, build it up over years. Mm. So I get where he's saying his cash flow is a pain because he gets a nice lump sum. But actually, his cash flow is worse off buying one server mm. and selling it. And now he's got to wait and hope and pray someone has another server in a year's time. Mm. But at least problem is he structured his business differently. He's going to have to go mm. through a bit of pain to reshuffle. Yeah. Do resellers get acquired a lot in this space? Uh, it's like any other market. You'll see um, the market will explode with tons of players in the market. And as it starts maturing, it'll start consolidating. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Okay, cool. So adaptability questions, you're familiar with that term, right? Mm. Came out of singularity last year about it's not, it's not about being, it's basically about, you know, being able to adapt quickly. There's a big case to be made about big corporates love to talk innovation, can't actually innovate. <laughs> no, 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 they can. You create um, an incubation hub <laughs> and you put some businesses in there and you promise that they will do a bunch of solutions for you and, um, 
internally you never can agree who's going to pay for it. Oh, wait, is that not innovation? That is innovation. It's about having <laughs> a nice… I'd be very cheeky. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're a banker and you're listening to this, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like let's, let's rent a room, put a label on it saying bank name incubator, and then yeah, put a press release out. Now you're innovating. I know, winning. Funny enough, like uh, there are these innovation companies that will advise banks all over the world on the five steps to innovation. And they generally include uh, you have to uh, build an incubator, you have to build a team of agile experts, you have to, or a couple of squads, you have to build an app, you have to make sure you've got a website, um, and yes, you must have big data in it. I'm not pointing out any of the big four consultancies at all at the moment. Not doing that at all. <laughs> Jeez, I can be a bitch sometimes. I know, so I love this. this great. <laughs> New side of Rhett no one knew about, eh? <laughs> sorry, no, no, no. I can be. Yeah, I know, exactly. Bitchy. Cool, but, let's do, yeah. let's do, yeah. before, we, I want to get more into agility in a second, but let's talk about quote of the day, yeah? Yeah. So take us through this one. You are building, building a? Data business powered by AI. Okay. And the reason why? Yeah. Go for it. Why? Say something. Yeah, why? Why? Why are we building a data business powered by AI? Is this the, your future pacing here? So, and not even future pacing. This Every business, so you, you, the, the cliche is you're building a technology business. Mm. No, you're not. You should have been building a technology business five years ago. Mm. Now what you're building is you're building a data business. No matter what game you're in, there's going to be an element of data that's going to either help increase efficiencies or you can make money directly off that data set, or um, what else? You can acquire new revenue streams from it. Data is going to be the crux of it. So if you understand the power of your own data, and then your differentiator, that constant adaptability is the machine learning algorithm that's going to best work for you. And it's not one. Mm. It might be 10. It might be 100. Mm. If you're a manufacturer, there's a ton of algorithms and AI that you would initially start with, say, vision AI, mm. because you want to look at sorting faster. You want to look at quality checks. You want to – but it's all at a faster rate. That improves efficiencies. That's part of this world of AI and the algorithm behind uh, machine learning that's going to be yours. That's going to be your differentiator, mm. taking your data, training that algorithm, and that's your differentiator in the market. You could be an accountant. You could be uh, selling stuff. You could be a retailer. You could be a you name it. I can come up with fifty examples of this. The problem is no one's doing it. They're sitting on this trough. Why though? I mean, it's that's the next. It's question. the unknown. So you only I don't, I don't to buy that as an excuse though. I mean, it, so the unknown is quite broad, right? So yeah. unknown is yeah. I know I've got big data. Yeah, I know I have data. The unknown is what the fuck do I do with it? How do I do it? How do, how, how, what do I need to put in place? And most people go down a journey, and I've seen so many guys, they're on a two-year journey, either dipping your toes in with small consultancies, solving little problems, or you're building big Hadoop stacks that are costing you hundreds of millions of rands over two, three years that are not performing. Those are your two kind of – and that's because people don't know how. So they're making all the mistakes by themselves. And there's so much knowledge and and data and, and communities out there. Um, but again, did people know that? You know, the amount of open source um, algorithms is in excess of 250,000 algorithms. A year and a half ago, everyone was raving about the fact that they had gone over 7,000 open source algorithms. 
And in those algorithms are credit checking, all the basics. You take that and you can make it your own. Hmm. But people just just don't know. It's like, um, that sounds to me like the burgeonings of cryptocurrency where there was like Bitcoin in 2008 and then there's literally thousands now. You know what I mean? All pretty useless, but still. <laughs> At least no one understands what's behind it, right? Well, absolutely. They're all exactly. like, yeah, it's another currency I can invest in. Whoa, did you say invest in yeah. currency? Did you really say that? Did that you it's say, an unknown. Yeah, uh-huh. Rather invest in gold and speculate in currency. Yeah. But, um, but I love that because we, we're actually introducing um, an AI component to what we do. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, you have to. If you're in performance yeah. and lead gen, mm. um, you're the uh, one of the first areas that should be benefiting from it. Yeah, exactly. And Acquisition, it's, revenue. And it's, I mean, we, as in like next week. Mm. <laughs> so, nice. we, so we're, we're going to basically be able to convert anywhere. So in other words, if they instead of having one conversion page, we can actually convert on any number of them in any media sources. It's pretty interesting. So when you say like the format of anywhere, as in mobile, desktop, blah, or you yeah, say mobile, on desktop, platform and platform and content and content, nice, mm-hmm. very cool, yeah. And so, where's the AI going to play its role in integrating itself in all those spaces? Okay, yeah. Okay, so cool. if we're doing because we're with story first, yeah. so landing why, yeah. and then as a result of doing that awareness and education piece, yeah. then actually being able to generate the lead okay. on IT web. On Tech Central, okay, okay, I see what you on mean. you know anywhere nice. basically, yeah, yeah. yeah, nice. So it's pretty That's interesting. Very cool. Yeah, it's going to change the game. Just basically. that one algorithm is where yeah. you're going to make all your money. You get that really refined yeah. to get a better success rate and, mm. and cost per acquisition. You're yeah. changes that's the, your differentiate, and it changes the business. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. How's your AI, guys? Hi, guys. <laughs> this whole team of people behind the camera, a, by the way, <laughs> everyone's like, "Shit, did he say I need to become a machine learning expert?" Yeah, <laughs> That's a yeah, yeah. Bonus, bonus dependence. <laughs> it's really easy, uh, Udemy. <laughs> so you're saying everyone's going to be, well, everyone needs to become a, a data and AI company, right? Or AI sort of. Well, if we we, we corner it out, data becomes your core revenue stream, mm-hmm. and AI. Uh, your, the algorithm becomes your IP. Uh-huh. So where does one start? If you if you step back and go, well, I don't know the space and it's very unknown. <laughs> yeah, no, no, very good point. So I think the question to ask, so I always go to the WTF moment, the what the fuck moment. And that's where an, where an executive sits back in their chair and they, they're looking at the world and there's so much happening. I take a big deep breath and I go, what the fuck do I do now? And it's that moment that you get to choose. Do I carry on doing what I've been doing or do I try something else? And in that moment, that try something else part is, well, what's the biggest challenge I have? And there are various methodologies you can use to kind of figure out what that biggest challenge is. Most of the time, an entrepreneur knows. They just need to be really honest with themselves. Other times, you need to use things like theory of constraint. Um, which is really looking at like if your business was a pipe generating money and you had different size pipes all over the show, the narrowest pipe is your constraint. So if you're starting a business, generally the narrowest part of your pipe is your acquisition. It generally is there. So if you open up your acquisition and you understand how to sell, then the constraint happens further down the line. You need more resources to deliver on what you promised. You, and then the cycle repeats itself. And so where do you want to start? Start where that biggest constraint is. Mm. And you know where that biggest constraint is as an entrepreneur. Big businesses struggle to figure it out. 
for a number of reasons. But use that kind of methodology. And then from there, you start saying, okay, now, and I believe in, uh, so I was thinking, what was the last question you asked me? Where does one start? No, uh, on your list of things you sent me on WhatsApp. Uh, knockout punch. The knockout punch. Yeah, that's it. So I always think of the three things that you need to think of when you're solving these problems is what's important enough to focus, um, how do you do it with speed, and how do you scale it? So you answer those three questions, and that will point out where you should start. And then you look at the data that sits behind it. So focus. Okay, I found the area. Maybe it's my how do I grow a cross-sell to my existing customers. Maybe that's one. And then you say speed. How do I do this faster? Do I have a telephone a call center that's taking in calls and I'm spending money on traditional media and maybe I should be uh, spending that money wisely to get further leads coming to me? That increases the speed of acquisition. Um, and then you say, well, how do I scale this? And scaling is not just I'm now reaching a broad audience. It's, well, how do I do this with less? Which always means some form of automation, some form of algorithm, some form of understanding your data, what it's telling you, and be better at it. Um, and you're talking in the beginning 10% changes in your, in your business. Mm. But as you refine that algorithm, there's a great example. Um, one of the financial lenders, they take two weeks to onboard a customer. Mm. You submit all your IDs and your bank statements and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, they do 40,000 applications a week. Whoa. It's massive. So you can really start saying, well, where's the pain point, the focus? Well, that's where it is. What's the speed? Well, it's very slow at the moment. And how am I going to scale it? Well, now they use Vision API. And what Vision does is in two weeks, we got it from 60% accuracy to 97% classifying what the document is. So it comes through some front end of some sort, whatever they wanted on the lead conversion. It then says it's an ID or it's a bank statement or whatever. Then we got it up to about 92.3% identifying what's on there, how to take it out and plug it into the credit vetting system. And all of this is done in a one and a half minute analytic cycle. Holy shit. From two weeks. That's crazy. Here's an example of understanding your data and accelerating it through uh, uh, an algorithm. Okay, so I mean, what I love about where we are as entrepreneurs is that a lot of these tools are free or oh, so pretty close to free. Well, you can use it on your credit card, right? Yeah, exactly. It's no longer reserved for like your big businesses, right? So, but um, but you know, if you look at the Microsoft stack or Amazon stack, there's a lot of tools in there, and, and it ta- and it's almost overwhelming to go. Well, what do I need, and when do I need it? You know, for instance, take our business. Like, when should we be running on the cloud? You know, I mean, obviously we use things like Google Drive and what have you. Um, but then you know, as you as we begin to scale, then how does one begin to make decisions and the right decisions about what tools you should be using when? Um, what is your advice there? I mean, how does one select, okay, well, I need this now, not in six months' time, or vice versa? I look at it in three circles every single time. So the first one is, how much do you really understand about your business? So you've really got to understand what your business does, because I think so many of us go, yeah, I'm an agency. Awesome. So understand the real job to be done. What is the product? What is the actual job of the product that you're offering? Is it solving the customer's why? 
And a great example of trying to nail that down, generally people use things like first principles. So get back to the first principle of this. And insurance is a nice easy one because uh, if you beat all the way down to the first principle of insurance is your customer always wants to protect his or hers asset, time, or loved ones. That's going right down to the first principle. Understand what doesn't change in your business. Understand the product that you're offering very clearly um, and and go down to the first principles. And if you understand that, it's very easy to then go to the next step and say, okay, well, if I know that, then this is the technology that I need to look at. Because you're right. Take any of the cloud providers. They're adding a new product every two to six weeks. There are hundreds of products just for cloud. Um, and you could trawl and test all of them and go through a procurement cycle on all of them. Or you go, well, now I understand that the most important part is to find customers that I can protect their stuff on. Then that means the first thing I need to do is make sure their environment is safe. I don't know if that's the right thing. but So I'm going to look for tools that ensure a secure environment, a safe environment for my customers' data. First step. And then once you understand that, then you say, well, what am I going to do in my organization to change, to adapt, to use this new tool to ensure that you remain delivering the best possible quality product for that customer's need. And that's the hard part. That's where all the big banks, they fall apart, right? They, There's too much politics, too much corporate silos. And that's where the, the usually the entrepreneur does very well because they can be incredibly agile, constantly adaptive. That is culture-driven. Absolutely, because that's the thing that's hard to copy. It's hard to copy, right? Yeah, everything else is easy. You can smell your culture in this room. Can you? It's very quiet. <laughs> no, I can smell your culture. It's a, I don't know if it's a good or bad, but is you've it got the a donuts? It. Is it the donuts and, and the hot and coffee? And and all that sort of stuff. Um, but there's a smell. Like I walked in, I was like, cool, awesome. There's a nice vibe in here. On a scale of one to ten, how would you rank would culture r- smell? I would rank it a, between seven and eight. What? Round of applause for Brett. <laughs> Woo! Right? Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, winning. Yeah, winning. Winning culture smell. New thing. Hashtag you heard it, yeah. <laughs> Don't fart when you say it. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something. Let's, let's put our entrepreneur's hats on. I mean, we kind of stumbled into this. We did some work for Microsoft towards mm. the end of last year. We launched the Head Start initiative for, for oh, startups and what have you. And... Um, and then that's when we got into like all the big distributors and so forth. And, and so then we started to learn about, well, fucking hell, how big is this market? And actually, dude, did you see Microsoft's results, second quarter Q19 yeah, results? Dude, they grew by 30% mm. and 35% of their entire business is cloud. Mm. So, and, and just to put that in perspective, they did 38 billion in three months, dude. Guys, that's to, like, to do I mean, to turn just, a business around like that is amazing. Like I've tried to do it in in Barclays and then Absa. Wow, impossible! You know, I'm, I'm actually 24. Are you really? It killed Shame, me. Man. It absolutely killed. I feel me. your pain, dude. It was a lot of pain. There was three years, and I probably got 20. I like to say 27. I might be overstating that. Maybe 23 percent of the way there. Mm. Um, and then things change. Uh, politics kicks in. So the fact that uh, Satya achieved that mm. is phenomenal. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Hats uh, off to him, man. Legendary. Um, so that market, I mean, it's just massive, right? Um, people underestimate it, and it's not exactly slowing down. It's like the most exciting, mm. most aggressively growing sector in IT mm. services, period. Mm. So 
with your entrepreneur's hat on, how does one, if someone's listening to us right now and, you know, maybe they have some kind of IT background, but they, they're looking for the next move, how does one look to identify, well, here's the sweet spot opportunity as it relates to something like, you know, AWS or cloud services or whatever the case might be? Where does one, or how does one approach navigating that? Because there's different angles to it, right? Because mm. you got the software vendors, you got the distributors, you got the reseller partner network, then you got your end mm. customers. So there's multiple players in that whole ecosystem. Where does one start? How does one identify the next opportunities? Well, uh, in, in this particular field, um, sure. It's a big question, I know. It's a big question. So you like, could use Sidek as an example, right? I so, mean, it's a, a Sidek for us. We looked at the market and we actually used to do Amazon and Azure and we're Dell and we were Fujitsu and we're a typical IT tech integrator partner and we're tiny. It was like four or five guys in the team. Um, I, th- I was paying for a salary from one of the Irks. That, that was my involvement. And when we stepped in and we looked at it and we said, we noticed that, well, Google, yes, it's third in market share, but we understood the Google, uh, uh platforms. It serves what? eight over one billion user businesses. And that's the infrastructure you get to use. So we looked at that and we were like, okay, so that's what we got. We understand the winning power of that. And we know it's an AI and ML. Um, we need to pick. If we go pick with Microsoft, because all my guys are all kind of XBCX, ex-Microsoft guys, we're one of two and a half thousand. So it was like, well, how do we be one of the biggest partners there? impossible let's go to aws and then we looked at aws and aws's partners are software driven people so their partners are guys who'll come in and they build code for you on amazon stack and that's really cool but none of our guys one guy knew how to code so we're like "Ah, that doesn't work for us as well so we looked at the skills that the group of us had we looked at the potential opportunity of the market. We wanted to take a riskier choice. So we went for third. Um, and then we made the commitment and we went to Google and said, we're making this massive commitment. Um, and it became very easy because they were desperately looking for partners as well. Having to build out the ecosystem because most CIOs go, huh, Google, but that's free. It's on my phone. What are you talking about? It has infrastructure. You joke. Um, no one knows what it's got. So they're definitely catching up. And it made sense for us to be a bigger player in that, be a big player in a small pond and grow with that pond. Um, if I was starting any business, I, I love using a tool that actually Google has called Google Trends. Yeah, no, it's good. So good if, tool. It's a nice tool, right? Because you've got to check your idea against a market and that market never go for a market that no one's in. Everyone's like, yeah, because no one knows about this yet. And you go, oh. <laughs> that's so risky, man. <laughs> Go for a market that there are people in mm. that you can be better than them at and you understand how you can be better at it. Mm. And, and, and by using trends, no matter what you want to do, mm. you can actually see what the trend is, if there's an uptake, what the size of it is compared to other keywords that are interesting in this space. Mm. And then that, that validates your idea. And mm. then you need to get into the market and see mm. if you can actually – Mm-hmm. get a customer can we actually do that can we get google trends.googleapp.com and then search what do we want to compare cloud and uh do um cloud and compare um quantum computing really mm. that's interesting mm. so cloud and quantum computing quantum yeah. computing because we're looking at it and we're realizing so the big move at the moment is 
it, it's full on warfare in the world of AI and machine learning. I don't know if you've noticed. Everyone's Probably not as much as you. Walk us through that. So it's warfare because you've got the Americans investing heavily in it. You've got the Chi- uh, Chinese are pumping even more money than Americans at the moment, doing really interesting stuff. You've got most of Europe plugged heavily into it, though they seem to have taken a little bit of a di- diversion towards blockchain. And But uh, in- interesting how America hasn't quite got into blockchain. China has, um, and it's full-on warfare because – Whoever wins this battle of AI, because we're in this world of um, digital dictatorship. So whoever wins it is one winner in it, right? Amazon's one retail, tick. Other side of the world, Alibaba's one retail. Uh, WeChat's one chat. On this side of the world, WhatsApp's one chat. Um, so in this world of AI, you've got this big battle going on. Mm-hmm. Now, if we look at the world of computing, where's all the investment going there? It's in the same three spaces and the reason why, uh, sorry, quantum computing, the reason why what quantum computing is becoming really interesting because that powers up AI. Hmm. Suddenly, so the computers that sit behind, uh, say, a machine learning algorithm like uh, NeuralNet, check that. So it hasn't even started, eh? Still early days. Are you looking um, at… Put which- machine learning as well in there. But you can see it's bubbling here. Eh? It's getting some traction, but I, I, it's proving my kind of worry is that it's way too early. If you're South African to get into quantum computing, forget it. Mm. Um, it requires too much investment. But what? look, you should be getting into cloud. Let's see where machine learning is going. Remember, this is an intent engine. Oh, really? So, it's also so, inte- so yeah, you want to be getting in the game of machine learning. And mm-hmm. this is only over a year. Can it take it over. Um, can you do 10 years? 2004. Yeah, to present, go. yeah. Should be able to get a better sense. Will it pull it up? Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Look at that. Okay, hey. so now that's what you should be expecting. So cloud's been around for ages. Yet South Africa, guys. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I still have the I was at IT Web Cloud Conference this week and I just couldn't believe how little we knew about it. Just scroll up to the top. But how's that, eh? Pick out South Africa now. Is this streaming, by the way? Yes. Are you able to okay, yeah. cool? I mean, how awesome is YouTube streaming compared to my days there? Mm. We were trying to get a stream was an absolute What's nightmare. this now, Mav? Uh, South Africa. South Africa. Wow, look at that, eh? Okay. And then now put in the term IT. Just IT. Uh, with IT now. Just IT. It'll be interesting. I think it's IT or might be technology uh, without the dot. Just IT. There we go. Check that. And that's South Africa, right? So that gives you a very clear indication of the market. You've got a market with a bunch of CIOs who get IT. (laughs) That's nuts, dude. Cloud, nowhere near there. So Mm. that's the opportunity we see. We see it growing internationally. Cloud's just not here in South Africa. Mm. Quantum computing, forget about it. It's not here. But like, I get interested in quantum computing because I'll give you some stats on – so. Machine learning, mm. you build a neural net, you'll use something called a TPU. So you get a CPU, normal computer processing power, GPU, graphics processing card. That's what everyone does, big uh, data and machine learning on at the moment. And you get a TPU, which is a tensor processing unit. Uh, it uses the TensorFlow learning libraries and all that stuff. It's something that Google's invented. It does 74 petaflops of processing power, which is equivalent of half a million CPUs in a data center. 
on one processing unit, which is about this big, and it's water-cooled. Now, you stitch 200 of those together to run, say, a machine learning algorithm that does propensity modeling, for instance, and it'll take 19 minutes on about 100 terabytes of data. Cost you about $1.50 to run. <laughs> Crazy, right? Yes. So now you think about how much power is sitting there just to be able to do that. And one quantum computer that's running at 24 qubits. So a qubit, a quantum computer, you have zero and a one. A qubit is a zero and one at the same time. So it's proving there's this third dimension in our world. But it's at any range between the zero and one. So it could be like halfway through or could be more to this side at any one time. We don't really know. But it creates this. So instead of going up in squares, we're going up from one to two is, is going up. I can't remember the exact sum, but essentially you're trebling it and then you're multiplying it by three. And then it goes up another one point. You're trebling it. You're multiplying it by three. When you get to 24 qubits, 24 qubits can decrypt the SSL encryption in eight seconds. Currently, if you took all the compute power in the world, it would take eight years to decrypt SSL. SSL is the HTTPS yeah. on your, in your, in your browser header. So you're going from eight years, all the computing power in the world to one computer, eight seconds. Now you see why there's a very important race happening in quantum computing. And it's going to light up the world of AI, which gets into the whole contentious play of That's irrelevance. Are we in an age of irrelevance? <laughs> I, I think we're already there. Dude. <laughs> this is really nice, by the way. This is my relevance. Feeling artificial <laughs> Stop grass. touching my table like that. <laughs> God damn it. Get yourself under control. <laughs> it's quite scary. I know. But it is, man. I mean, like, I can't believe that. I mean, like, I thought that blue line of um, cloud was big. And then you look at IT. And what's interesting about that is that it's just gotten bigger. It's actually flatlined and dipped for the first time now, mm. which right. is weird, eh? It's weird, right? Yeah, it's like so I, the opportunity there. That's so we actually look at the market and we say if we can get ten percent of a customer's budget to go cloud, mm. we essentially can save them seventy percent of the IT infrastructure. But mm. most CIOs will tell you to get the fuck out mm -hmm. when you say that to them because it's taken twenty five years to get to that massive yeah, figure. They can't. Yeah, but that's exactly that that exact graph there with that green line just dominating so much more than like if you were to say that that was 100% 10% of adopted cloud so it's not 100% accurate because there's no, no, no budget but, but it's intent but it this is intent yeah right? but I'm, I met with a massive distributor mm. here um, who shall remain nameless and they were saying the same thing we've got you know 4,000 active cloud resellers mm. and I said um, yeah but how many of them have actually adopted your and, own tech. and they said, yeah, and they said, no, it's about 10%. I was like, well. Mm. No, there's so much work to be done here. Mm. And this is the problem in South Africa. Like, we've got the rest of the world building all AI. And, and if you look at what's happening with Facebook and how they're manipulating people and using AI to control people, and we're giving them more and more of our own personal information, mm. and we're giving them more and more of our company's information. So, I mean, like, I have a real problem with that. Like, I, I do a lot of work around trust, mm. because if we're going to get AI right, we best understand how we trust each other, and we understand the biases between each other and the ethics between each other. Otherwise, we're going to be feeding into this beast which is, that's how big it should be, is IT. That's where quantum computing should be. It's nowhere near there, and yet quantum's going to have such a vast effect on our society. Yeah. Are you pro-Facebook or anti-Facebook? I, I, I'm addicted to Facebook. 
So like addicted, I'm itching to just check what my Facebook stream says. I absolutely love it. And I only started loving it in the last year and a half. Because I was like, ah, what's Facebook? Nah. And I got into it. My wife's like, come on, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Peer pressure. So I was like, yeah. And I just accepted everyone who had been queuing. I got to like three and a half thousand. I didn't even like know nine. I don't know why I'm accepting all these. Fuck it. Accept, accept, accept. How, how have I been off this platform for so long? And it was amazing. And then, and then we've also got a podcast, WTF. And, and, like it's, we built that page about six months ago. It's going crazy. I say it's going crazy. It's 600 followers, but it went from nothing to there. And I'm like, this is an incredibly powerful platform. And in our days of Google, the reason why uh, Google Plus was built was someone had to counteract the abuse on personal information. You can't go and bitch and moan about it to regulators. They're too slow. So Google's thought, well, let's best build something that actually comes with the right policies and terms and agreements around personal information. But they lost that battle. Badly. To, badly to really – I mean, I love the product, but it just – they fucked it up. They tried to do it too quickly. Um, so then it's in this really dangerous space. So, you know, I love it. But then that's also, right, it's firing up my dopamine levels, what Simon Sinek talks about it the whole time. Mm. I'm getting my dose of dopamine the whole time, mm. and and I have to have a look at it. I need my dose, and I look at my children, and they just, ah, Instagram, oh, amazing. Oh, I just want to be there. It's so incredible. And I just go like, thank God you guys occasionally get out and play some sport. Otherwise, we'd have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Technology addictions are real thing, eh? It's a real thing. So I'm not an anti-Facebook. Mm. I have a problem with how they're managing their data and what their data is being used for. It's relentless now. It's relentless. It's are you like, anti or are you positive? I don't like Facebook at all. No. If I if I I have to use it, well, because it's do, right? because it's my business, and it does a bloody good job, by the way. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Depends how you use no, no, it. I guess. He didn't say that. I promise. No. You know, we actually meant. What did yeah. we mention the other day on this? We were sport doing a stream live, and I was talking about Facebook, and then I was I was entering Brown and Williams. Yeah, yeah. The what is it, chaos specialist, yeah, chaos yeah. theory stuff, and then uh, the with, with, and yeah, exactly, and, and whatever. Yeah. So anyway, so I was I mentioned every time I mentioned the word Facebook, Google, or China. The stream literally went from like full 1080 4K to like <laughs> 720. They were like, "What's going on here? What are you guys saying?" But that's but that's it's about the abuse, right? They only told I'm me sorry. after the show as well. So like, I I I I, I was a, I played a big part in Google doing very very well. My job in the early days was I was actually country manager of a company called AdMob. And in AdMob days, uh, we ended up being the biggest mobile network. We were killing Google, a small business, 60 of us. I ran Africa, based out of Silicon Valley. I remember saying to my business partners at the time, I had a startup in mobile media, and I said, I'm going to join a business like a Google, based out of Silicon Valley, working in Africa. What the fuck? This is awesome. And I need the salary. Um, and I did it. And it was amazing. We had amazing relationships with all the media owners. We used to fulfill on most of the inventory. And it was an interesting game because it's an advertising network. So you've got to make sure you've got happy publishers who are making enough money. You've got to make sure you've got a whole bunch of happy advertisers that are getting the return that they require. And if they dip, then they dip. So you've got to keep them up. But you've got to keep them up because if they're not getting – so you're constantly going backwards and forwards. And then Google bought us. And um, we it was amazing. It was between Apple or Google. And I remember Eric Schmidt getting up on the video stream, and we we're like, "Oh my God, Google ended up doing it! Ah, it's so cool!" 
I think I was the first person in Google without a degree. So I'm like, me? Yeah, what on earth? <laughs> I'm that guy. But now I look back and what we were doing was we were taking control of the price of inventory. And we were controlling that price. We were controlling most of the inventory because most of the South African media companies didn't know how to sell the inventory. And we understood the algorithm and the data behind it that they couldn't be as effective as us. And Google and Facebook are just so good at it that the media owners never understood that it's data and AI. So I feel kind of like now I'm heavily involved with um, uh, uh, IAB and working with the guys, trying to see what we can do. But it's, you know, they're going to have to change. They they need to change the angle. They can't carry on being a mass media player. They niche, this kind of stuff is, is important because niche is the new scale. Niche and tight communities and trusted tribes and and mm. truth and transparency – that's what's going to win this new game, and it's not going to beat the big guys. They're going to mm. become like the backbone of the internet now. Yep. Let's talk about niching down because mm. um, I interviewed uh, Chris Lockheed. I don't know if you know him. He wrote know, Play Bigger. And, anyway, yeah. so he wrote the book Niche Down. So it's okay. all about how do you become legendary by niching down and mm. earning a very small market, mm. but then have all the economics in that. Mm. I mean, how has Sciatic niched down? What's mm. you know what I'm saying? Because cloud's yeah. so big, and you, you're dealing with like these big hundred million, five hundred million companies. Yeah. How is niching down applicable in your world? So it's really about the problem you're solving. So we focused very clearly on two problems, and the two problems actually interrelate to each other. The first problem was, um, how do we ready your business for AI? Because everyone's going, I want to play there, but it. We call ourselves the data plumbers. With the guys who come in, and for years you've been sitting on a multitude of data sets and you keep trying to pull them together, and banks, they keep doing this every year and they have more and more data sets everywhere because you live in this world of limited compute, which means you run batch jobs. Everything's always fucking out of sync no matter what you try to do. And in this new world of unlimited compute and very, very cheap, you can now have a constant live stream going into analytics space, into your big data space, and then you do that. So we do the plumbing. It's very unsexy. No one wants to do it. And we leave the sexy stuff to the data scientists and our data engineers do that. So we solve that one little problem. And then the other one is, well, if my data's there, how do I get my applications there? And we do something called lift and shift. Those are the two things. And by narrowing down there, our business has exploded. Because before it used to be Google Cloud Partner. What yes. does that mean? BigQuery is awesome. Why is BigQuery awesome? Check. Lots of data, fast, cheap. Yeah. There you go. Get out. <laughs> but that's, I love that though. Cause that whole, you know, you mentioned the words data plumbing. That's like mm. the definition of a category design principle where you're actually going to a market and saying, Hey, you know what? You've got a data problem. Uh, sorry, a data plumbing problem. What's that? Well, and then you explain it. And then they go, ah, oh, shit, you're right. We do actually have that problem. No, I had that problem. Yeah. Oh, that's why yeah. I can't do X, but then, Y, and Z. And then what happens is you're the only company that's credited with solving that thing. Correct. Which is so powerful as a concept. And super niche. <coughs> super niche. And remember, like, look how small that cloud market is compared to IT. And we're probably a hundredth of that blue line in that problem statement. And it's still a very, very, very big market. And it's only going to explode. 
Very interesting, hey? It's fascinating, hey? Yeah. But don't you love Google Trends? You've just got to get the right terms to really understand the market. Exactly. Um, so, what are, so what are three things to look out for? I mean, we, we're looking at this, this is arms race in terms of AI. Um, there's quantum computing coming to the table. There's blockchain, probably less sexy now. After the I think it's just price, going through its you know, uh, trough of depression or whatever yeah, it is. Trough of uncertainty or whatever. Uncertainty or whatever they're called. Yeah. And uh, the problem is we just don't know if it's going to get out. Do you, I read something the other day that it, it's the Bitcoin price is so low now that it doesn't even like the cost of mining a coin, a Bitcoin is less than the actual retail price of a yeah. coin. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a big, I mean, there are too many knock on effects and there are too many people who rode the hype. I don't know. I have to admit, I've lived through so many of these cycles and hypes. I've lived through the mobile media. I've lived through the YouTube video streaming. I've lived through online media. I've lived through mobile technologies and setting up networks and all that kind of stuff. I've lived through all the, and the internet boom. And when you're in that trough of depression, it always feels like you're never going to get out. But then again, I've also seen so many that have never gotten out. And I really, I think blockchain, if we focus down on the real problem it can solve. And for me, it's, I don't think it's the solve all end all, the new internet. Uh, I'm not convinced it's on its immutability either. I think if blocked, if quantum computing, and by the way, quantum computing is available uh, in production now. Where from? That. So IBM launched uh, two and a half weeks ago. No, two weeks ago. Maybe even three weeks ago. Also Friday. Mm. Uh, it's called Q, um, and you can and you can even consume it as you would cloud. It's available. I need to go in and start using it, but you need to know um, what's the programming language, Q-Link. Mm. Um, and I'm sure it's very, very basic stuff, but you can now use it. This is three, four years ahead of what anyone expected, that mm. you could actually start using it in a commercial sense. Mm. So that's fucking scary for mm. blockchain mm. because blockchain's irrelevant in this world of immutability with a quantum computer hanging around. Why? Because the whole point of a blockchain was that the voting mechanism, the scale of the distributed compute made it impossible to hack. Uh, okay. Well, now you don't need it distributed. You can just be… Well, one quantum computer will decrypt that code because you essentially have to consume the entire <laughs> blockchain and you have That's to work incredible. it back and you can decrypt it. That's a funny thing here. Yeah? One uh, That is just such computer. a funny thing to think about. It's quite an interesting thought. I don't but, know if it's ready to do that. Uh, you know, just, hmm. uh, theory but of why chaos. wouldn't? It? But who knows? But who knows, right? <laughs> but who knows, it would actually, be very funny. It would be, be very funny. Imagine but, a blockchain made up of quantum computers. Yeah, but then what you'll find is like a blockchain would adopt quantum computing. You know what I mean? Yeah. To re like so maybe that's the real secret is yeah because that's what will happen like you get these technologies that will merge and it'll be like now it really is immutable because Mm. the the hash keys are being generated so fast every like a bazillion every second whatever you know Mm. but who really knows but you were saying so so you don't think blockchain is as a technology the value of it that's still is still up for debate uh, where its use is and the value it'll solve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like Bitcoin, I mean, any cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, I still think has, you know, if it's adopted right, I think we're in a very interesting space for this. So I'm still pro on Bitcoin. I'm like kind of, if you have, I mean, I had, I had Bitcoins. I watched it start booming and I was like, yeah, baby. 
I made a killing. And then I went to $20,000 and I went, no, I didn't. (laughs) 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 What I could have made with those. Yeah. Uh, But hindsight is, I guess, a blessing. But, um, yeah, I just think it'll still be the granddaddy of currencies in Mm. 100, 200 years. And Mm. if your family has a Bitcoin, they're going to be like, wow, this just has no value. You can't do anything with it, but you, you, but I have one. You could probably leverage um, surety and assets mm. off the back of it because mm. it's just it's, it's invaluable. Mm. There's so much value to this. It's just invaluable. You're never going to sell it. Yeah. So it's going to be around forever and ever and ever. You're just never going to sell it. So I'm going to wait till the price goes. I think it's still got a uh, at least one and a half thousands. My bet. Mm. And then I'm going to buy one. Yeah, I'll buy two. I'll race you there. I'll buy three. <laughs> Damn it! No way, wait, wait, that's not what we're going to be doing. <laughs> so we're going to do Injustice League. Um, let's. Uh, what is the one injustice that you see in the world, and uh, you know that you want to kind of have removed from the fabric of society? What's that injustice? So I had an interesting panel session, um, and I had a bit of a laugh about it on Facebook. And I said, "I'm going on a panel." No, no, I didn't say that. I said. Uh, what happens when a digital guru, okay, I'm calling myself a guru, but vain, um, and a monk and a philosopher walk into a bar? Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. It's a panel. And I spent three hours on this panel with a monk from Tibet, the most senior monk. He represents the Tibetan monks in Africa, a philosopher, a part of the uh, Acropolis Society, 25 years experience as a professional philosopher who knew and then moi and what the hell were you doing there i just thought it would be very interesting and it was the most i mean the first part was really confusing <laughs> um like we were talking about what is consciousness and and the definition of consciousness and all this kind of stuff but what was very very interesting is you start realizing um the bias that where artificial intelligence is going to go the impact of it you know, things like the the Chinese citizen score, you know, mm. we need transparency in these algorithms and the intent needs to be right. And that is my problem with Facebook. Ethics. The ethics around it. We don't invest enough time and money and brain power to sit down and actually talk about it. Mm. We don't need more data scientists now and data engineers. They, they will come. We need people who are philosophers, who study ethics and really understand humans so we can take out this bias. He has the opportunity to either build a beautiful world to live in or a complete freaking disaster. (laughs) Well said. And on that bombshell, you can grab a bat. I'm going to get out your way. Um, The guys are going to get you. uh, Where am I going to hit I don't know what they're going to make you hit today. (laughs) Are you guys going to catch, eh? (laughs) You're gonna you're gonna stand up and then you're gonna yeah. go top down. <laughs> top Do down. not hit the cameras. Oh, okay. I see. Okay, yeah, that's you can quite drop, interesting. You can drop your mic and just let. Rip. Can I put a Microsoft logo on you? No, I'm kidding, <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. I love be, you, Microsoft. Yeah, brand assassination. <laughs> not that way. <laughs> Lack of transparency. There you go, bud. Oh, that's a brilliant one. <laughs> well done. That was legit. Oh, I love that. This is so much fun. So, Brett, um, we're going to wrap up. But um, Awesome, Matt. Thank you. Let's, let's talk about just a couple more things. Mm. 
Um, what uh, what motivates you to be successful is in this technology space? I mean, there's a thing we can't talk about, which I'd love to share, mm. but I can't say anything. Yeah. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Dickhead. <no. laughs> <laughs> but what, I mean, you seemingly, you keep, you, like yeah. you're an ad mob, you, you know, you mm. worked for Google, you, you were like head of innovation for these big banks, mm. you like, you mm. by all, like by all accounts, have lived both sides of the coin more than most and, you know, tech fundy and stuff like that. And now with sciatic, going on this global dominations play um like what motivates you to be successful in this space yeah that's a great question so i uh, i guess little story behind it at google i got as high as i could go locally and i remember them always coming to me and saying come run uh, emir region for whatever come run an international region for whatever and i've traveled and I literally have lived for longer than three months in 32 countries around the world. It was the job I did. I was a project manager delivering technology, mobile technology to Mongolia, Greenland, uh, most of uh, the poorer parts of Africa and East Asia and South America. And, you know, over 10 years, it's, it sounds a lot, but it's only three countries every, every year. It's really, it's, it's not that much. Um, and, what I learned was we live in the best country, and actually I'm going to pick out Joburg City, in the world. We're really good at fucking it up ourselves. I'm so passionate about this country. I kept turning these roles down saying, I've come back here to build and be part of this country's success. I have a fortunate experience of, of learning from all these Silicon Valley greats and practicing my trade. And I've had the opportunity to execute and try help a local bank understand what it takes. And I've understood the scale of it. And that was my reason for leaving the bank was I now need to help as many companies as I can because this is not a, I want to be a billionaire. I'd like to be okay. I want to be, you know, I would like to live comfortably. But I actually want to help as many South African businesses take advantage of these technologies so that we have all South Africans working, eating, living a comfortable life. And I really do think it's there. And if if people like me are not staying with our knowledge and experience to share it, to help other people, then what the fuck are we doing? Mm-hmm. So that's my motivation. Amazing. Why do you do what you do? What gets you out of bed in the morning? I actually don't know. I have a, a weird I, – I, I, I am a very high and very low. So, you know, I'm a keynote speaker. And I went, uh, 15 years ago, I couldn't stand up in front of a group of people in a meeting. I was so scared and nervous because I was a real techie. And I realized that if I'm going to be able to make an impact in society, I needed to learn how to speak. And it was 10 years of hell. I've now been doing it for 13 years and now I do it as a profession. And now I love it because of the buzz. And I think that's what gets me out of bed is wherever there's the biggest challenge, the the most painful thing to go through. Like I've just been through three months of probably the hardest time of my life for stress and pressure because it was a complete unknown. But I put myself out there to learn this process, to understand what takes and the risk that I took on board to do this. I've come out hopefully a better person and I want to encourage every South African that risk, that fear of doing something different. I get it. 
It's fucking scary. Do it. It's fucking painful. But when you get out the other side, it's the best feeling in the world, and I'm addicted. Preach. Brett Sinclair, everybody. Round of applause. Thank you very much. Thanks for being on the show, dude. Awesome. That was rock star stuff. Well done. Really appreciate it. Cool, brother. Ciao. This edition of the MapRound Show is brought to you by NetworkSpace.co.za. In fact, our studios are here in building number four at NetworkSpace up in Johannesburg. These guys have made us a huge deal, have really bent over backwards to give us the kind of service that most exciting businesses deserve. If you want more information about NetworkSpace, you can actually come and check out our studio. We are always open to meet new entrepreneurs and business owners from around the country, and you can do that right here at networkspace.coza. Thanks for checking out the Map Round Show, guys. And if you'd like to get the Kung Fu put in your ninja, check out digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.